Hey everyone, it's Kobe. It's Kyle. And we're back with the Healing Circle podcast. Yay, yay. And we're still talking about sex, y'all. Sex. So. Uh, wait, hold on. Six. Oh, right. God, it's so gross. I love it. Why is oh, it gross? Hey, it's just a weird way Even to say it. you saying it's gross is a reflection of societal standards that are inaccurate. Sex is beautiful. No, no. Powerful. Sex is wonderful. <laughs> the way you're saying it is cringy. I think it's fine. I can call it six. All are we going to change the um, background music to like genuine or something? Do you want me to try and insert pony right here? Yeah. I'll do my best. <laughs> do my best. Yeah, it's so, an anthem. Um, so today we're gonna answer a couple of the questions that we ended our last episode with. Two of the questions we really want to touch on today because I think they speak a little bit more and closer to our personal expertise are um, the sexual trauma from religious ideals, and then someone else said how ideals can lead, how religious ideals can lead to sexual trauma and body issues. So, yeah. You go first. I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. Um, loaded. Uh, this, is a, this is a loaded topic. So I think uh, the, the main way that I've experienced um, sexual trauma and, and how, it, how it just intersects with, with religious ideals, I was engaging in sexual activity at a time when my relationship with, with God was very black and white. Mm. There's some good and, and some bad about that. There's more bad <laughs> than good. But mm. because my my relationship with God was so black and white, because my relationship with God lacked grace, because my relationship with God lacked nuance, um, and because it was fear-oriented uh, and shame-derived, <laughs> and because it was all about not going to hell instead of, like, what is it what does it mean to live a life that means that I'm ready to live with God? Yeah. So it was about running away from hell rather than running, running to, to the cross. Yeah. Um, all of that informed the way that I viewed sex. Sex was this, um, sex, even after we got marriage to some extent was this thing I wasn't really supposed to engage with because it was evil mm. in a way. Like it was, for much of my life, it was something sinful because I, I wasn't in a covenanted relationship. But the way sex it was, was not sinful, your relationship with it was. Well, yeah, it it was it was my interaction. Yeah. It was my my point of it um, that that made it wrong, and it became this. I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. This like forbidden fruit that was enticing to me because. Uh, because of all the reasons, because I was made to have it. So obviously it's it's something I want, yeah. and it's something that like I really couldn't have. And rather than having any sort of emotional literacy around the why of that and what was good about that and what was helpful and what God had for me in it, it became a way that God was punishing me mm. like continuously until I got to the point where I was, quote-unquote, good enough to get married, which turned marriage not into a moment for me to engage with lifelong int intimacy, but marriage was this, like, this touchdown point where it's like, oh, yeah, I've finally been good enough to get married so that I can have sex. Yeah. And sex became the point of relationship for me. Yeah. And I think for many men, I don't know if you feel this way, yeah. so please correct me if I'm wrong. I think for many men, sex, because of that uh, narrative, becomes the greatest gift that any woman can give their husband. Yeah. It it it's it's sort of gosh, now that 
now that armed with all of uh, all of the healing, I'm like, man, what a horrible and warped way to to view such an important thing. But it was like. There are ways I'm ashamed to say that early in my relationship with Kobe, for sure, and certainly in relationships before that, like women weren't even human beings to me. Mm. They were a means to an end. They were the barrier between me and what I felt like I really wanted and couldn't have. It was kind of disgusting <laughs> when I think about it. And, and yet it was so normal. And so normal that, that you could have that perspective and lead in church and be be crowned as this great man of God. Yeah. And like not saying that having mistakes or having, um, you know, warped perspective means that you are no longer a child of God. Do not hear that from me, please. Um, But I think that there's a way that church culture and religious perspectives prop up the idea that what a man should love about you most is what you look like. Yeah. What a man should love about you most is what you can offer him sexually. Yeah. What a man should love about you most is how easily, when you do get married, how easily um, and how often and frequently you will open your body to him. Yeah. It uh, There's like a phrase used in, in, in churches, which is like kind of dumb when you say it out loud, but it's so common. It's like um, like women are like your, your helpmate, like your helpmate, um, which is... Which is true. Like, mm-hmm. that's very, very true. Mm-hmm. But the way in which it's communicated, and, and a lot of men, including me, live that out, is like, oh, yeah, women are here to help you with sex. <laughs> that's their with, help. With your desire. Yeah. They're they're here to help you get this thing off your brain so you can go do important things that matter. Oh, my goodness. Well, how do you think he's going to he's gonna show up and be present if he's not getting what he needs? Uh, I've need, never heard that in the universe. Need is such a strong word. Like he got to he has to get his needs met before he can show up for you. And it's like, okay, am I not a human being that also has needs? Yeah. Am I? And like there's always kind of like this covert conversation in churches around men's desire and sex and that was healthy. But if a woman talks about her desire and sex, she is a Jezebel. Yeah. You know, she is She's disgusting. How dare you talk about the fact that you have sexual desires? How dare you talk about the fact that you are turned on? How yeah. dare, you know, in the house of the Lord? But you'll hear sermons about men talking about getting what they need, you yeah. know? And I think that also, like, speaking to these questions about how religious ideals affect body trauma, I mean, the church, as the structure has made somehow has made it more holy to be attractive by men. Oh yeah. There is that. You will, if someone meets whatever that culture's traditional perspective of attractiveness is, the merit of what they say about God now matters more. Yeah. So if you want influence in the church, you better be pretty. Yeah. You better be conventionally pretty in whatever way it is in that culture for sure you better be snatched yeah you better have a good outfit your lace front better be glued down got to be glued like it and if you're not that you better be the most dynamic like a spirit field yeah prophet you know since isaiah (laughs) yeah like the bar is so high for women in ministry to be excellent Mm -hmm. it's like in the ways that we may talk traditionally about the bar is so high for women's excellence to be acknowledged 
Facts. Excellence Facts. is prevalent Facts. in the church yeah. when it comes to women. But the reality is there's this way that it's like you need to be really, really pretty and really, mm-hmm. really skinny. And if you're not really, really pretty, and I don't say pretty as in I think that whatever my standards are pretty are is what everyone else is, but based on that body's perspective, mm-hmm. if you are not pretty and you are not skinny, God is not with you. Yeah. And if you want to do ministry, you better do it in children's ministry or in the back, but don't try and do it up front. I can say this with a clean heart and a pure mind. There are people who have asked me to pray for them. I know for a fact because I'm pretty. Yeah. There, I've been, I know for, there are people who have looked at me and see mm-hmm. me worshiping in my cute outfit and come up to me and been like, can you pray for me? And, and I really like, there are times where I've had to say like, you know, um, I'll pray for you, but God hasn't given me anything for you. Mm-hmm. I've literally had to say that before. Yeah. Cause it's like, don't look at me and think that I got my life together because I look a certain way. Yeah. Facts. What? Like, and it, it affects the ways that we show up authentically in spaces of worship. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I just want to wear <laughs> some Converse's and some jeans and a, and a baggy t-shirt because I want to go worship God in comfort. You're telling me I'm going to my father's house. When I go to my father's house, I go comfortably. Yeah. You know? And there's this like reality that so many women subconsciously and consciously have this pressure to come to church and show out because also what they teach women is your ability to be connected to a man is a reflection of your righteousness. Yeah. If no man wants you, if no yeah. man wants to, is physically attracted to you or wants you, this is a reflection of how heavily God's presence is in your life. Yeah. This is a reflection of how anointed you are. This is a reflection of how blessed you are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, when we when we think about like, okay, how do these religious ideals affect sex? Um, I know what very often happen, at least in my experience, is rather than (sighs) rather than than teach nuance and discernment and wisdom and understanding regarding sex its appropriateness, and when and where, how, and why. It's easier to just say, you can't have it, and if you do, you're sinful. Yeah. And so it becomes this fear-based way of interacting with this ideal that actually has a ton of nuance. And so because God does not talk about sex in terms of fear, Yeah. you cannot really find it in Scripture. Yeah. That's not a way that he interacts with it, yeah. but it's a way that it's taught. Yeah. And so then you have people who are only taught to fear like this thing and then they go into relationship like we've we've talked we've had questions about um folks who get married and now they're struggling with with all of this because they go into marriage and what should have been happening was um teaching and preaching and understanding around the beauty of sex and why because of its beauty and its and and its uniqueness um it's honoring to maybe wait for a specific covenant if it comes this like hey like if you do this you're a hoe and you're a whole person <laughs> yeah um and so there's nothing to backstop it but fear and then you get into a relationship which is not supposed to be driven by fear it's supposed to be driven by love and intimacy yeah. and you have no way of like even thinking about this thing 
except through the lens of negative thoughts. Yep, yep, yep. And fear and negative thoughts will always keep you bound, even yeah. if it makes you look free based on societal standards. Yeah. And you know what makes sex enjoyable? Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> you know what makes sex really hard to constantly engage in? Fear. Yeah. Fear. How can you, how physiologically, how can you be relaxed? Right. When you think about the neurological, you know, setup of our bodies, we have the sympathetic nervous system and we have the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. Right. One of these systems is turned on for fight, flight, freeze, which means all of our oxygen and all of our blood is sent to our extremities. Yeah. Why? Because it's preparing to fight. It's yep. preparing to ward off. It's preparing to shut down when there's danger around. That's what fear is, is the perpetual um, perception of danger. So then my body switches neurologically to fear. Well, guess what's not an extremity? My vagina. <laughs> That's not an extremity. Not necessarily important for survival. Not, yeah. yeah, not it's not an extremity, right? And so what happens when we're turned on in any male or female? Blood rushes to the there's core a lot of your of blood body. Blood rushing, yeah. Blood rushes to the core of your body, right? Yep. Blood rushes inward, not outward, right? Your oxygen is focused inward, not outward. But that neurologically, physiologically, biologically cannot happen if you are afraid. Yeah. So if all of your perceptions of sex are rooted in fear, even if they're taught by religious structures, you literally are set up biologically to not enjoy sex. Yeah. There's also, and speaking to the fear piece, where, where like religious ideals kind of come alongside this, um, sex has been given too important a position within, I'll just speak about Christian communities. I don't know about other religious communities, but within our community, it has been given a position of importance that far outweighs what it, what it actually is. Yeah. And so because it's been overweighted, it has this component of fear to it because it's like so, so, so special rather than teaching, Hey, like you're going to enter a covenantal relationship with somebody, you're going to get married. And the point of your marriage Everything will be about intimacy. So rather than, than simply explaining sex as one of the paths of intimacy, if, if the top of the mountain is intimacy, sex is one of the trails you can take to get there. Yes. If you're on a mountain and there's only one trail and a storm come, comes and washes it away, then you have no way to get to the, the pinnacle, hmm. right? All these other things that we do that are super important in marriage because uh, I'll, you know, here's a spoiler alert. If you're married... Sex is happening a lot less than anything else in your marriage. Yeah. Right? Like, even if you were having it every single day, 10 times a day, there's more of your life being lived that needs to be centered around intimacy than that moment can handle. Mm -hmm. So what happens is sex becomes overweighted. Instead of saying the pinnacle of the mountain is in intimacy, sex is one of the dozens of ways that you can get there. They say, oh, well, sex is the pinnacle of the mountain. Mm. intimacy is a way to get to sex mm. and so then sex becomes the god sex becomes the thing that is needed and the paths to get there they don't even they they become um diluted they become like oh this is just a means to an end and so the whole situation gets flipped and then you have situations where okay well what if this path of intimacy doesn't necessarily fit the conventional norms yeah now you feel like your whole relationship is worthless yep because it was built about getting to sex, not about yeah. getting to intimacy. There are people yeah. who can't have sex in their relationship because of medical conditions. 
Yeah. And they still have a great relationship. Yeah. Because it's not the only way that they get to the mountain. Yeah. And so, like, back to your fear thing, like, when you make sex too important, even though it's very important. Yeah. And it has, you know. When you it's, worship it. It, it. it matters. But, yeah, when you worship it. Instead of allowing it to be a way that you worship God. Yes. And it and it, it stifles people who are genuinely trying to engage in something that God created for goodness and for and for intimacy to mm-hmm. connect. And it becomes this divisive thing. Yeah. That rather than connecting, there's a lot of people who are in relationships that sex is the time when they're most at odds. Yeah. Because it becomes about domination. It becomes yep. about who's getting what and who's yep. not getting something. Who's yep. going to be the victim today? Yeah. Who's going to be the one that has to sit out of yeah. this experience? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. If you know me, you know I absolutely love my essential oils. That's why we're so excited to be sponsored by Nature's Fusions. Nature's Fusions is a Christian family-owned essential oil and hemp extract company that is dedicated to giving people the tools they need to improve their lives and their natural health. The best part? They're affordable and have a forever guarantee. That means that you can return their essential oils for any reason after any amount of time for a full refund. Use the coupon code COBAYCAMBELL to get 15% off your next purchase. The code never expires, so you can use it as many times as you want. Again, that coupon code is COBAYCAMBELL to get 15% off your next Nature's Fusions purchase. Visit the link in our show notes to grab your goodies. Now, back to the show. And I, like, my heart, I was just, as you are talking, I was just, like, pondering, like, the countless women I know for a fact have been prayed over, have been prayed prayers of deliverance mm. for being turned on. Like literally, like it's a thing, literally praying prayers wow. of deliver of demonic deliverance for being turned on. Yeah. For being curious about what their bodies look like. There are women who have no clue what their vagina looks like as in their 20s, in their mid-20s, and then are meant to somehow let someone into a space that they're not familiar with themselves and then teach someone how to make them feel good in that way. How? How women are supposed to teach us as men how to please them when they have no idea what even the part, like don't even know what the parts are labeled, like couldn't point it out on on an anatomy. Like guys are, I mean, honestly, we're just kind of easy. You know, you... You blow on it enough, it's like something good's going to happen. If you fan that direction long enough, something good is going to happen. So, like, I'm not saying it's easy, but it is simple in regards to, like, what makes it work. But But, it speaks to this fear of unfamiliarity. Yeah. If if someone were to say, hey, go take a mirror and see what your anatomy looks like. Go see what your vagina looks like. Yeah. I know for a fact there were church be that's demonic, that's blah, blah, blah. And yet, if I said, go look at your nose, go check your nose to make sure you got a booger in there or not. Yeah. It would be like... That seems very... That's yeah, normal. Go obviously. Go. How else would you know if there's something wrong? <laughs> right. Unless you look right. at it. <laughs> right. Yeah. That is huge. So many women do not know when something's wrong. Yeah. And don't know what to expect. And yeah. It's, it, these aren't things like, oh, you have to engage in it directly, like... You can just learn. You yeah. can have conversations with yep. with people who have had it, who yeah. know what's going on, yep. and that should be normalized. But yeah. what ends up happening is because sex has this importance that is far greater than like what it's supposed to be, it becomes taboo to even talk about. Yeah. Then you have two people, one uh, on, the, on the male side, 
who has almost been taught to not necessarily care very much about what's going on to the other person in this yeah. equation. Um, and then another person who's been taught that their part their part to play has very little to do with them and only with whoever's in the room oh with gosh. them. And I now wish... you got two people like trying to engage in something that's actually kind of complicated, has yeah. a ton of nuance ton. and a ton of emotional weight. Yep. And and you've got literal children, though they may be 25, like trying to handle very adult issues yeah. and people are hurt constantly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And sex is this reminder that the pain that we feel internally will always manifest physically. Big facts. You can, you can, you and your partner can be in the best place completely fine. If there's something on your mind, if there's something that hurt your feelings, that's unconfessed, it's going to affect your sex life. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it becomes this way that, like, in many ways we can't hide. Um, and I think that in many ways it allows us to see the real religious ideals that we actually have, even if we believe something should be different. Yeah. Like, oh, man, like, I don't. I think that it's okay for women to have sexual desire. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> okay for women to experience that, you know? And then we have sexual desire and experience shame. Well, maybe you believe that, but you've internalized something else, right? And a lot of it is because women are not given the freedom in the church to be sexual beings. Yeah. You are, uh, uh, am I using the right word, Jezebel? People love saying that. It's like you are, yeah, you're, you're a Jezebel. You're the, and it's like, but and yet God created me as this, as such, and he makes no mistakes. God literally created my body this way. We reward yeah. women for being pregnant, but we shame them for wanting to have orgasms. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, it it is important to remember, like, this was all God's idea. Like, he, he came up with it. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not something we're getting around. It's not like we're hiding from God to have sex. Like, God, yeah. it's his idea. Like, he, you know, he's all about it. Yeah. Um, And yet, very often in church, the way it's treated is like, oh, well... You guys will figure it out. It'll be fine. As long as, you know, if we don't talk about it and we pretend it doesn't happen yeah. or it doesn't exist, even though we also only talk about it as and like being be- the super important thing. Yeah. And mostly because we're also getting a lot of advice, like spiritually from people, mentorship wise. And I mean, not personally, but like yeah, yeah. overall, we're getting advice from people who also are carrying lots of shame about their sexual lives. Yeah. And like, an old all the other conversations we have, like if shame is normalized, then it's passed on as normal. Yep. So it's just like, oh, well, no, this is, yeah, you could just be in a relationship for 40 years and still be uncomfortable having sex. And that's like, that's just marriage yep, sometimes. That's just how it is. It's yep. like, uh, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Or even the idea, again, that like you have people who get married and 20 years later, they are less close than they were in the beginning. Hmm. doesn't make logical sense except if you pull the marriages that you know it's normal yeah you know and 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 again sex like plays a huge role in it because like we talked about when sex becomes the point of connection when it becomes the reason you connect yeah then you miss out on the actual reason for connection which which is intimacy and something that should be building like should be getting progressively deeper becomes progressively shallower. Yeah. Because the trail, like because the point has been missed. Yeah. Right. And you're you're taking sex and you're trying to make it encompass a mountain's worth of intimacy 
when it's it's again i i can only think of it in the the imagery of like the mountain with multiple trails like there's a ton of ways to get there if there's only one way that you take and that trail gets blown out because you've been walking on it and the sides don't work anymore and people people fall off like that happens in real life where you only have one way to get somewhere and the trail gets destroyed because there's a thousand people trying to take it and it wasn't meant for that um yeah. in the same way like this is the sex um issue is rampant and and the way that we interact with God informs that. Yeah, but I I want it I want to bring it back to like the original questions of people who've been traumatized by the church mm-hmm. when it comes to their sexual identity and their yeah. sexual disperception of sex period, right? So like I think a great way to start again I don't specialize in um you know doing sex therapy, but I do specialize in trauma and, and in some ways that overlap, but there are places where the Venn diagram turns into a, a specialization that's not my own. But, you know, we talk about, we've talked about negative core beliefs, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But negative core belief essentially is the lens through which you see the world created by trauma. Yeah. Right? And so um, it usually is an I am statement, something that informs how we see ourselves in the world that we interact with. Or it's an ability, right? I, I am, I can, I can't, right? Those are common um, negative core beliefs. Like for those of you, including myself, who have been traumatized by the way that uh, the structure of the church perceives women and men in um, how they feel, interact sexually, I think a good starting place is figuring out what is the negative core belief that was created? Yeah, yep, yep, right. yep. Like, I know that for me, a big part of the negative core belief that, um, one of the negative core beliefs, you can have many, was I am only valuable for sex. Yeah. Right. As a dark-skinned woman who, I love speaking. I love doing ministry. I love, you know, I, I love God, Right. And, and when people gave me space to speak, I remember probably about three years ago when people started inviting me to churches to speak and preach. And um, two years ago, actually. And people were so surprised by how articulate I was because of how I looked. Like, they mm-hmm. really thought that, they were like, oh, yeah, but you speak. Like, yeah, 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 absolutely. But, like, the first thing they always talked about was, like, how pretty I was. Mm-hmm. You are just, you are just beautiful. And it's like, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, but it was like, man, the anointing on my life can include how I look. It can, right? Like we see scripture mention that for some women. But like, it felt like the anointing on my life ha- had to do with like people's sexual desire and perception of me. Yeah. And not about what God was doing through me in my life. Right. And so that affected me when we were in a relationship, you know, I get married and begin to start feeling like every time there was an initiation, it was like, I'm more than just sex. Yeah. You know, I'm a hu- I yeah. used to say all the time, I'm a whole human being. You know that, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, and this like the refrain of our first. <laughs> I am a whole human being marriage. because. And obviously we both had warped things on both sides, but like anytime there was an initiation of sex, it felt like this forsaken of the entirety of my humanity. Yeah. And so sex seemed like this thing that I never really wanted to engage with because it was like, 
there are physical things, there are ways that it was painful. We'll talk about that in a different episode. Um, but then it was also like, get to know me as a person. Like, you know, like, yeah. like let show me what intimacy looks like <laughs> without you, you know, without us having sex. Yeah. Right. And I think that I, I don't think until I got married and we had to work on it, I don't think I ever received a guy want to be around me as a human, like literally want to just like, just like who I was yeah. without wanting to be sexual with me. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so like in marriage, it felt like finally I can just enjoy being with someone without them always wanting to have sex with me. And then it was like, and, uh, oop. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Especially, you know, in, in our particular case, we'd kind of, we'd waited for so long. It, I had this very, I mean, I'm ashamed of it now, but it is what it is. I had this internal monologue that almost felt like, well, like, I'm owed this. Mm. Like, hey, yep. there's back taxes, And right, church bro? will teach that, too. You owe it to him. It was communicated. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, it may not have been said. It was definitely implied. Uh, and I, think I was it's taught in some ways. I think it definitely was. Well, I'm just saying for me. Like, okay. no one had ever directly said that. that. Yeah. But it had been, the message was received regardless. And I really felt like I, not only was I taught in various ways that I need sex, which is super harmful. And it it's one of the ways that men are traumatized, whether they realize it or not, because it turns men into creatures when we're thinking human beings. And if you look at actually the main difference between man and the, the beasts of the garden, it's the ability to say no. Mm. All right? If you look at all the things that the snake does uh, with Adam and Eve, um, he's doing all the same, same things that Adam and Eve are doing. He's speaking, he's communicating, he's naming, he's claiming, he's doing all these things. What's the difference, um, you know, primarily between what God says is a man and what is a beast? It's the ability to know when enough is enough. And so many men are traumatized, whether they realize it or not, by religious structures that make room for this idea that you're just a beast. Like, mm. you just need this. Like, you you know, it, it is what it is. You just kind of hold on until, you know, until you can get into a relationship where your needs can finally be met in mm. this, like, really insidious way that turns your partner into, you know, into a vending machine. Yep. And not a human being. And a vending machine, by the way, that really only has one product for you. Yeah. Um, And I, I'm ashamed to say that you know, I, I broke a lot of things in our marriage, some things that we're still repairing because early on, I, you know, I just, I felt like I was owed something mm. and I was angry at the idea that, that it wasn't happening in the way that we had both thought. Cause it's not like we went into it and, and Kobe was like, oh yeah, we're, we're never going to have sex. And I was like, we're going to have sex 14 times a day, every day. We were on the same page about what we thought it would look like. Mm -hmm. God had a different plan for us. Mm -hmm. And when our plan, you know, when, when it went south, the reality of the ways that I was broken and trying to fix myself by slathering some sex on it became very apparent. And the reality of the ways that Kobe was in need of true intimacy deeper than the physical became very apparent. And honestly, it slapped us both upside the head. Yeah. And the church did not prepare us for for none of that. Yeah, yeah. And so for us, again, we want we want this to be a conversation of transparency. Yeah. Because we know that how healing, even when nothing changed in the moment, how healing it was to talk to people who were just honest about yeah. sex. Yeah. You know, 
Um, and so that's what we're trying to offer in this series, and we hope that you guys receive it. Um, in our next episode, we're going to cover some more um, some more questions and some more thoughts and some more subjects. Honestly, this is probably going to go on for a while. I'm really excited about it. Um, so, yeah, we will see you guys next week. We're really excited to continue the conversation. Uh, yeah. Um, shout out to the inner circle. Oh, uh, yes. Just wanna, oh, wanna my gosh. That. If you want perfect sex, join the inner circle. <laughs> Duh. Obviously. Like, if you want everything in your life to work out, all you have to do is join our Patreon and join the inner circle where we talk about these issues and others all day long um, in a really safe community. And obviously, there's there's other items like Kabe's got mental health resources um, and, and trainings and just ways of interacting with God and your mental health that are amazing. So that's definitely a part of this conversation because we are emotional beings having physical experiences, not the other way around. And so it's all going to connect one way or the other. So we're excited for you guys to be on this journey with us. And, um, you know, until next time, until the circle comes back around. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world to us. If you guys didn't know, we just reached the top 200 mental health podcasts in the U.S. and we want to keep pushing. So make sure to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Also, join our Patreon. It's $10 a month. You get mental health resources from a licensed trauma therapist. I mean, it's pretty amazing. It's an amazing family. So join the inner circle. Plus, we dropped our merch. It's been a crazy time and the slogan, protect your peace, has never meant more. So grab your t-shirt, hoodie, or crew neck when you get the chance and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.